For the last many weeks, uh, we've been starting a series in the Psalms and um, on the life of prayer and how God is present in the world. And uh, as I was uh, beginning the sermon this week, I, was, I thought immediately about um, my storied relationship with the gym. I've, I've, I've always wanted to sort of look like Captain America, and I've always wanted to have lats and shoulder muscles. It's just never happened for me, and which is which is all the, the sadder because my father it was like a like a at, at the university that I went to after he went there. He's like has his face in a like a bronze plaque on the Hall of Fame for being a track star, you know. And so I go there and I'm like a musician and I'm. Um, I, don't, I don't spend any time at PepsiCo, which was, the, which was the, what the name of the gym was. And so I, I, I don't know, I've never had a chance to really make some progress in working out. And until about four years ago, it was, it was about three months, I actually got on the wagon. And I only got on the wagon because of my friend Tommy. Tommy was a weightlifter, he was in shape, and I, I had just finished my PhD and I knew it was gonna be six months or so before the next station of life, so I thought, here's my chance. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to work out. Um, but I knew I needed help. And so I looked around and I found, found the most like, in fit person I could find. And so I approached Tommy, I said, could you train me at the gym? And he's like, oh, no problem, I've been wanting to get back in the gym too. I was like, oh, He looked like he'd been there for a long time. Um, anyway, so three months went by, and we'd, we'd meet at 8.30 p.m., which I usually was binging and eating chips at that time. We'd meet at 8.30 p.m., and for the next three months, I was working out at, you know, one of those 24-hour gym places. It was awesome, and I was like, you know, got to that place where my muscles weren't shaking anymore when I was lifting things. I, like, I could do planks. It was awesome, and I was like, like noticing growth and I was like, oh, this is amazing, you know? And so it's like, I get, I get here right after that and for the next, I don't know, two years, it's like haven't seen the light of day <laughs> working out since then and all of that has gone away. But I was just like recognizing in my life and if I ever want to get on that wagon again, I'm not going to be able to do it alone. I'm not going to be able to stay up myself at 8.30 from 10 and do push-ups. It's not going to happen. I'm going to need someone like Tommy to be in my life uh, who, can, who can help me out. And so as we've been talking about prayer and getting into the life of prayer, I gave an introduction this little uh, the last five weeks. And if you're interested in the introduction to this prayer series, you can go online. It's all pod- podcasted there. Um, but as I began that series, I recognized the, the place we need to go next is to emphasize just how important, if you're going to have a life of prayer, just how important, especially if you're going to engage and start up a life of prayer, just how important it is that you're going to have some people to do it with. You can't, it's not something that we can really do alone. Um, and so in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about uh, praying with your family, praying with your children, praying with your spouses, if you have one, and uh, praying in community. And uh, today we'll we'll begin this part of of the series. But just a little recap uh, to remind us where we've been um, previous to this. I've talked about kind of the uh, benefits of praying. Hey, can can we get the um, thing linked on there, represented person? Can you put the, uh, click on the... Yeah, I give my trust away too easily. <laughs> it's got to be it's got to be highlighted the actual message series. Okay. 
Okay. Next slide, please. <laughs> there we go. Someone might have taken out the receptor. Oh, well. It's life. Uh, so we're, here's where we've been. If you're going to have a life of prayer... Um, you know, I haven't talked anything about techniques yet or the right words or the ways that we build up a praying life. I've talked about two essential things. Um, if we're going to even begin praying at all, we're going to need to be people who are well aware of our needs. We're going to feel needy. We're going to feel like, like we really need someone in our life to help us out. Another way to put this is we're going to need to be aware of our poverty. And um, oftentimes I've, I've used the word arrogance as a way to talk about the ways we get in life where we start thinking to ourselves, I'm okay. I don't need God. I don't need anyone else. I can do this on my own. And if we approach God and the life of prayer with the kind of smug arrogance which says, I don't need you, well, it's, not, it's a non-starter. It's not going to begin there. A person who's going to enter into the prayer life is going to be deeply aware that they're in need. Um, also, uh, they're going to have to be aware, on the other hand, that God is not Santa Claus. We're not entitled people to anything that we, we want and ask for. God has a, a big vision of the world and what it's about, and it's not always uh, as small as ours. And so we can't think of God as someone to who we come and give our wish lists and uh, he'll give anything uh, to us as, as we want. And if, if, we don't, if we don't, another word to, to use is entitled. Um, if we come to God entitled and arrogant, it's a non-starter. Only because these are characteristics which he realizes will be de detrimental and destructive to us. If we walk around as arrogant, entitled people, I mean, just think, you could probably think of someone in your mind who's that way. He's going to begin right there and work on you on that. Uh, but also, we've learned so far uh, in, in this series that Jesus prayed. He was a praying man. I mean, we, we, when, when he died and resurrected from the dead, we recognized, oh my gosh, he's more than we thought he was. He's not just a man, but uh, something, something deeper. He's, he's God himself. Um, but he prayed on, uh, in, on earth. And not only did Jesus pray, but he shows us that the life of faith, if we're going to be people of faith who continue following a God who oftentimes we cannot see or feel, uh, we're going to need prayer. And if we don't have prayer in our life, our faith life kind of um, uh, wanes. And so uh, here's, here, here's the thing. Uh, if you're going, okay, Pastor Keith, this is sermon six of, I don't know, 52 on prayer. I'm, I'm going to pray for a long, or preach for a long time on prayer. Um, if you're saying, oh man, not another sermon on prayer. If you're going, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this long on prayer. My invitation to you is, is stick with it. Stick with me because by the end of this, if, if, you're, if, if you're not, haven't grown in your prayer life, grown in your ability to pray and your habits of prayer, um, I'll be very surprised. Uh, I'm going to talk about the obstacles to prayer. I'm going to talk about um, some of the things which build up a, the habit of prayer and answer some of the main questions we have that prevent us from praying, like, does God care? Does he, does he, does he answer prayers at all? Is that how it works? Uh, we'll go to all those places. But if at this point you're going, you know, I've heard enough, I want to challenge you. Uh, maybe you've slipped into some of the first two patterns that I've talked about. Um, because you need him. We all need him. And uh, if, if you're at that place, it's okay if you are. Um, stick with me. I, I, I th 
I think I'll change your mind. Um, but my invitation to you is, is to go home in your week and find the places of loss and pain in your life. Usually it's loss and pain and really deep, maybe perhaps trauma, which puts up a wall which says, I don't even want to think about praying. I don't even want to think about who God could be. So find those places and just, I don't know, give it to God. Lay into him about that loss. Uh, because prayer, the, the, the prayer life as it's turning out is like eloquent complaining. That's a long list of eloquent complaining. It's expressions of our loyalty to him, even when we can't understand or see him. It's kind of reaching out in neediness to God when we have needs. It's flipping the anxieties of our life on its head and giving them over to um, him in prayer. You know, oftentimes when I'm in prayer and I'm, I find myself uh, wandering, my mind's wandering, I can't stay focused on God, I can't turn my whole attention to him, I've got my to-do list or my anxiety or my worry, I catch myself and realize, okay, I'm not praying now, I'm, I'm doing that thing. And I'll just turn that into prayer. Yeah, you know. Uh, turn it into prayer. Okay, God, here are the things I'm anxious about. Here, here it is. Um, so you'll see a theme here. It's going to be probably till January before I start going, okay, here's the structure of prayer, and here's how to pray. My encouragement to you, if you're going to get started, if you're going to get into the gym of prayer, into the school of prayer, and get built, start building some muscles, is just start praying. You've got to start praying in your life. You've got to start taking your, your whole life and turning it into prayer. Now, uh, there are lots of benefits to praying. Let's see if we got this fixed up. No, next slide. So there's lots of benefits to praying, and we can talk about those at some point. But uh, today, in the next many weeks, we're going to talk about the importance of praying together. If you're going to start making progress, if you're going to get into praying, um, you're going to have to find some people some supporters, some people to pray with, because it's, it's oftentimes very difficult to do this thing alone. And uh, the benefits to praying with other people um, is that you can sort of, you can see in other people um, sometimes um, the patterns that, you, that you'll learn how to pray. You can kind of mimic other people if you don't really know how to pray. You can, you can take uh, cues from other people. But oftentimes you, you start recognizing that the world is bigger than you. You, the other people have problems too. Other people have needs. And it's, you know, even though it's so natural to pray for ourselves, oftentimes when we're starting to pray for other people, we're, um, we, we begin exercising that prayer muscle in a way that it stays dormant if it's just us. Um, so again, um, next slide. Um, we're going to talk about praying with friends today and praying with children and spouses next time, um, next couple weeks. And praying with children and spouses are some of the best ways to get going because they're, you know, close to you and you don't have to worry about whether you look foolish with them. Okay, next slide. So, uh, all of this, this whole year of praying and preaching about prayer is sort of built up by uh, praying through the Psalms as well. Just so you know, we're, we're, these are our main texts of the scriptures. The Psalms, there's 150 of them in, in the Old Testament, and um, they range from um, elation and prayers of joy and thanksgiving to prayers of mourning and anger and resentment. Um, and so if you haven't ever gotten into the Psalms, my encouragement is to do so. Uh, because uh, the Psalms, um, 
are some of the oldest poems in all of human civilization. And they rank up there among some of the best. And the way psalms work, often um, there's power, there's passion, there's fury, there's misery. And oftentimes the way they work is like, if you get into them, you'll see that the, the psalmist will state something one way and then state it another way. Like um, Psalm 42, my soul pants, or uh, like, a, like a deer longing for streams of living water, my soul thirsts for the living God. Okay, put one way. When shall I come and see his face? Put another way. So it's two things, two similar ideas. And, and they kind of come, they, uh, they uh, balance one another off. And somewhere in the midst, this is the way this poetry works, which is why you can translate it so well. It's not about the words oftentimes. It's about the ideas, the themes which get nestled. And the, the two, the, uh, the balance, somewhere it creates a space in between. And you're meant to figure out what's, it, what's in between there. What is this trying to say? So um, there's, um, there's lots of wonderful benefit to get into the Psalms. And part of my whole goal of this is to help you to love the Psalms um, and to help them or to let them help you pray. Now, the last thing about the Psalms is Jesus would have known the Psalms by heart. These were, this was Jesus' prayer book. And so as Christians, as we long to grow closer to Jesus, as we learn to build up our faith in God, as we learn to build up our ability to hope when things get tough, when we try to figure out what love looks like, um, Jesus, we look to Jesus and we look to his pattern and he would have known these psalms by heart. The apostle Paul himself would have as well. And one of the things that psalms do, and this is just a final point about this before we get into a specific psalm today. One of the things the psalms do is help remind us that God is in heaven and that he's on his throne, which doesn't mean he's on Saturn. It means that he's ruling, he's the king of the world, and yet somehow mysteriously he's right with us. And our world today and its patterns of thinking and everything in it would want to convince you that God is absent. He's gone. He's far away. But the Psalms, and as Jesus prays them, reminds us that God is close to us and he's here. And so if you're a person who struggles with knowing that God is close and, and in charge, the Psalms are a beautiful place to come to because they teach us over and over again what the truth of where the world is. So next slide. So here we go. Let's get into Psalm 133 and Psalm 116 today as we talk about praying together. This is a psalm of ascent. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. If you're not a fan of beard oil, this song might be weird to you. <laughs> so it's going to take some, take some translating here. Um, so, so the Song of Ascents. Um, the Song of Ascents are uh, 14 psalms in the middle of the book, and the way that, that we understand them are these are the, the songs that you'd sing if you were an ancient Jew, like Jesus, uh, at the time of festival, uh, particularly the festival of tabernacles, which was once a year as, a, as an ancient Jew, you'd go up to Jerusalem and you'd build a little booth and you'd hang fruit and it'd be in the autumn time just like it is now. 
And the, you do this every year as a way to remind you that in the ancient times when Moses was going through the desert, God provided for his people. You're never alone, says, says the, this festival. Um, and you always provide for your needs, always. Um, and so this is, this is one of the songs of ascent. And so next slide. Uh, you imagine, you imagine uh, going up to Jerusalem from, from wherever you're coming from, uh, whether you're north or south, east or west in Israel, uh, Jerusalem is up in the mountains. And so as you're bringing uh, your, your harvest, as you're coming to Jerusalem to, to remind yourself once again that God is a provider, you're going to go up. You're going to go up the mountains, up into the city. And um, that's why they're called the Songs of Ascent because these are the joyful songs that you sing as you're ready to go into the festival once again. So next slide. So here we are, the Song of Ascent. How good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. Um, while this psalm isn't about prayer, it is a prayer. And one of its uh, major tenets is that um, there's something powerful about Christian unity. And there's kind of a little, a little teaching here on, on prayer as we get, as we get going. Uh, when Jesus talked about prayer, next slide, he said, um, he said this on the next slide. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Now remember, we can't, we can't interpret this promise through the Santa Claus God. God is mysterious. Uh, this is not formulaic. If we, if we see this stuff as formulaic, we're going to be in the, in the wrong, in the wrong door. Um, but that aside, here's the thing. If two of you agree on earth, it'll be done for you. Which is to say that when we're in prayer with other people, uh, part of the important part is the agreement. It's mysterious. We don't know how it works. But when you're with another person and they're praying, it's not as if you should be sort of composing your own prayer in your head. You know, if I'm, if I'm with another person and I'm praying with them, um, and they're praying desperately for something on their heart. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to look, look silly here. So, God, here's the things I'm going to pray for. Here's how I'm going to put it. No, that sounds silly. I'm going to put it another way. I'm not agreeing with them. So a basic tenet of prayer is this. When you're with another person, when they're praying, and this is kind of an aside, I guess. But when you're with a person and they're praying, try to stay focused. Listen into what they're praying and add your agreement to that. Blessed are... Um, Blessed is it how very good and pleasant it is when uh, people dwell together in unity. And when it comes to prayer, unity and fellowship is so important. Okay, back one slide. And so as we come together, not just in community, but in prayer, we come together trying to unify our hearts. And it's like the precious oil on the head. Now, um, that's kind of, a, kind of for us a disgusting image, isn't it? Like imagine me up here just drenched in oil. Like as a bodybuilder, so to speak. No, I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's, kind of, it's kind of gross. Um, and so, um, but in the ancient world, in the ancient world, when you came into a, uh, someone's house, one of the nicest things they could do to you is take some of their oil and pour it on your head, create a little bit of a shine, nice perfume. Uh, there's this Assyrian text um, uh, not, not Jewish, but a Syrian text that talks about a king drenching the foreheads of his guests with oil at a banquet. And it was like the most awesome thing this person could have done for them. Um, 
And when this happens, when Moses went and drenched Aaron with oil, way back in the Old Testament, one of those stories, this was celebrating and, and, and giving hospitality to the living God who is close by. And so for them, this was a very good and pleasant idea, um, like going to a house and someone just saying, what can, what can I get you to drink and putting a platter of the, the best food you love. And that's what unity in prayer and unity in community is like. Next slide. The, the, um, two slides ahead, actually, one more. Um, the dew of Hermon was, Hermon was a, mount, was a mountain far away from Jerusalem. But in this climate, you just, you need dew. Otherwise, nothing's going to grow. Nothing's going to, nothing's going to be bountiful. And so um, that's what the psalmist is talking about, unity and how good it is. Now, I'll also uh, give a moment here to talk about unity in general. Uh, you know, in, in any community like this, you have people with different views. You, some people see things one way, other people see things the other way. That's awesome. That's okay. What God, God hasn't created us all alike. Um, and what unity is so easy. Unity can, can happen so easily when you don't believe in anything. When like, it's okay what you believe and it's okay what you believe and it's okay what you believe. Um, when there's no sort of centerpiece of truth involved, unity is easy. But then try to put truth and holiness, which God calls us to as well in the mix. And then that's easy you don't, to have unity as well. If you don't believe what I believe or if I see things differently, I'm going to create my own church. I'm just going to go do, do my own thing. That's easy unity as well. But the type of unity that Christ calls us to, the type of unity which is possible in his kingdom, which is to say we can have a standard of truth and holiness and firmly disagree with one another and try to find fellowship in Christ, and it's possible. That's the kind of unity that, that God is calling us to and how good and pleasant it is when that can happen. So, uh, just a few, a few asides there. Um, but uh, to, to keep the point, we, we need to be, when we come to the prayer life, we need to come together. We need to agree with one another and find a, a agreement with one another. And we need to do so with a Christ-like reverence for each other and how good and pleasant it is when that happens. So next slide. So we're jumping now to a different psalm, but as a way to get up into the next psalm, which talks about community and unity in prayer, um, a major theme which stretches through the, this whole book of Psalms, you'll, hear, you'll, you'll, you'll find a lot of these statements like, in the presence of, his, of God's people or in God's assembly, dot, 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 something. Uh, Psalm 22, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. This, this stress on community, this stress on worship together. Or Psalm 35, I will give thanks in the great assembly. Psalm 42, I love this one. I used to go to the house of God. This is, this is someone who uh, rem rem uh, remembers a time long ago when their faith was new and their heart was easily swept into joy, when they could go and lead people in worship. Uh, but that, that, that time's gone. They, they can't access that anymore. That's, there's nothing there like that anymore. Um, and they're longing for that, that, that day again. I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. I was always at the head of the worshiping crowd. And the psalmist goes on to say, um, I, but I, I will hope again. I, that will be true of me once again. And this is a psalm for anyone who's lost their ability to pray and worship. 
Psalm 42. And then Psalm 55, 9. What uh, you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your people for. So you, you can see that there in the Psalms, there is a strong emphasis on the worshiping community. So we get to Psalm 116. Next slide. Um, this is a psalm. I'm going to finish off with this one today. I'm going to dig into it a little bit for us. Uh, this is a psalm for someone who's ever been near to death. Anyone who's had a deadly wound or a disease, anyone for whom they sort of reached what they thought could possibly be the lowest point in your life. Um, when I was working on uh, my PhD, I was, didn't realize how detrimental this posture could be. And I lost both rotator cuffs in two days. And I couldn't lift my arms up higher than this. And I couldn't put my shirt on and I couldn't take a shower and I couldn't drive. And it was like, and, and it lingered. It was like four or five days later, I had no use of my arms. And I thought, this is over. I'm not getting my arms back. I don't know, have you, anyone ever gone through that? Like you have something like that and you, you don't know, am I ever gonna bounce back from this? Am I, is it, and you get to some, I mean, this, this is a trite example, but something in your life might have been like that where it's like you're at the bottom of it all and you don't know how you could ever come back from that. But Psalm 16 is for the person who has bounced back. It's for anyone who's still breathing today, anyone who's alive, um, anyone who's ever been greatly afflicted or confused or thrashing about and come back, um, and anyone who in the time of trial has kept their faith. Um, so here, here's how, middle, middle of the psalm, Psalm 16, we'll start with verse 17. Next slide. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Uh, there it is. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. A stress on community praying. Okay, next slide. I love the Lord. Here's how it begins. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my prayers, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol, which is just saying like close to hell, laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I pray, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord protects the simple. When I was brought low, he heard me. This is like the person who in their darkest hour decided they're gonna throw up a prayer after all. They're gonna be desperate and throw up a prayer. And like they were surprised out of their skin because they found a living person looking back. They found a living God there. I don't know if you remember those um, those uh, things, those pictures that they get printed out on, on a computer and it just looks like a blur, but if you kind of cross your eyes, like out pops an image. Remember those? Am I alone? Like that's what this is praying. I was like, okay, all it is is blurry and I can't see anything. I'm gonna throw a prayer up and oh my gosh, the living God is right there. He answers me, he's real. Um, and because of this, it's like, I'll call on you every day of my life because I've recognized you. Um, and... Uh, this is a, a person whose prayer is resolved. Now, let me, let me talk about that for a second. Uh, sometimes we say, God answered my prayer. 
Like I, I prayed for a prayer and answered my prayer. And I kind of don't like that language. I think the language isn't helpful because that puts us back into the Santa Claus God. You know, I prayed and he gave me what I prayed for. Like that's just not how this whole thing works. It's more like he resolved my prayer. More like he, he heard my prayer and it was resolved. Because nine times out of 10 in my life, and maybe 9.5 times out of 10, when, my pray, when, I, when God heard my prayer, it didn't come back to me in any way that I thought. It came to me in a mysterious way. I was looking over my left shoulder for the answer and it came zooming over my right. God doesn't really answer prayers. He resolves them in his own way, in his own time, as he is wisely seen fit. And so um, this is the person who's recognized this. Um, next slide. Oh, no, sorry, here. The last thing um, I want to say about this is that uh, the Lord protects the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Just to stress once again that first uh, first thing about prayer that I've been saying that when, when, when it talks about God hearing the prayers of his people, oftentimes it's in this context of a person being brought low. They've, they've recognized their poverty. They recognize their weaknesses. They need God and they know it. And oftentimes that's when God finally resolves the prayer that we've been praying. So we can't come to him with uh, arrogance. We can't come to him with entitlement. We have to come Brought low. Um, so next slide. We'll keep going in this psalm. I kept my faith. This is the other side of the dark night. I kept my faith even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my consternation, everyone's a liar. This person's close to death. They don't know if their life is going to come back and they're flailing about around them. Um, but even, even during that process, I kept my faith, says the psalmist. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. This last week in, um, in our Wednesday night prayer meeting, it's open to everyone if you want to come at 7.39 on Wednesdays. Um, we, we decided that we were just going to offer prayers of thanksgiving. We, we felt the Lord telling us to say, just, just praise me tonight. Um, I, I'll hear the petitions of your heart, but just praise me together. And uh, that's like this, I will lift up the cup of salvation, I will lift the, the thanksgiving to God, and that's what we were doing. Um, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. That's what we were doing on Wednesday. So in the presence of his people, we were praising him. Um, and then precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. And uh, this verse confuses me, I'll tell you. Like in, in, in the context of a, a person who says, I've been close to death, and he saved me from it. And is now saying, well, precious is the death of his faithful one. I have no answers for you. You thought I was going to give you an answer. I don't know. I don't understand that. If you, if you understand that, let me know. Oh, Lord. But, that, but it's there. This is, this is a, a, an authentic prayer, I guess. Oh, Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your servant girl. You have loosened my bonds. Next slide. I will offer you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people again, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Uh, next slide. Yeah, let's leave it there for a bit. Um, now, when Jesus tells us to pray, of course he says at some point, you know, enter, enter your prayer chamber. You know, you have to pray alone. Praying alone is, is something that we do. Um, but we also have to do it together. In the presence of his people, we, we have to get into a community prayer rhythm if this life of prayer is gonna, gonna work. Um, 
And one author said it like this. You know, we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we're talking to our Father. And how weird would it be if I never wanted Autumn, my one daughter, or Claire, my other daughter, to come and hang out with me together? Like, no, it's just Claire's turn, and no, it's just Autumn's turn. We wouldn't do that. That's not a thing that a father would do. God wants us to pray alone, but as we pray our Father, he wants his children, his family, to come together um, and pray. Um, it's, and, and if we remember, it's one of the chief things that the community does in the first Christian community in Acts 4. They come together to do four things, and one of them was to pray. Uh, so we need to come together in, in prayer. Um, and here, here's, here's the sort of the point of it all, the, the sharp point of it, is as we come to our Father together in community, um, we're coming not as a blood brothers and sisters. We're not related by blood but take that aspect away, just the blood relation, and somehow it's like that. We are a family. God, God is our Father, and we are knit together as a family in a very mysterious way. And he longs for us to come together as, as part of that family. Um, one author said it like this, Most churches think their members are gathered into one simply to take care of and build each other up, which is true. We take care of each other, we build each other up. But some don't know that God rules the world by the prayers of his saints. That prayer is the power by which Satan is conquered. That by prayer, the church on earth has disposal of the powers of the heavenly world, which is all three things are deeply true. And I think that's, we'll go there in, in, in a month or so about how God rules the world by prayers and how the prayer, by prayer, we as a church have power. Um, but as I pray with other people, um, you know, in my life and think about the importance of praying with others, um, I've sort of developed this thing where, and maybe it's because I'm a pastor, I don't know, but, you know, if someone comes to me and they're saying, oh, Keith, I'm just having a hard time, things aren't going well, I've... Um, I'm really frustrated with so-and-so in my life. And, and rather, I mean, I'll listen and, and I'll, I'll offer some words of advice. But every single time I've learned to say, hey, can we pray right now together? It's kind of, why don't we do that more? Why don't we just say, okay, let's stop and let's pray about this together. Um, and every time, it's, it's great. I mean, people, people like being prayed for. It's, it's, a, it's a deeply caring thing to do to lift another person up to God, whether or not, wherever they're at in their faith. Um, and I'll find, I've, I've been in my office with people who don't believe in God. And I said, can I pray for you? Yeah, please do. It might work. People don't say no to this, usually. I'm just saying, can, can I pray for you? Can we pray together? Um, I've just realized just how important that is in community to do. And we encourage you to, to do the same. Now, um, on, like I mentioned before, on Wednesday nights, if you're not in a home group, if you didn't get into a home group this time around, um, come on Wednesdays at 7.39. It's a group praying. And let me just give a little piece of advice for people who are a bit skittish of this. Because you, know, you can get into these meetings and you can go, well, I don't want to say anything because I'm going to look stupid. I'm not going to impress them. I'm, you know, we're not, no one's there to impress one another. You know, it's, oftentimes the prayers aren't eloquent. They're not great and grandiose. We're just... We're just lifting needs up that we, that we see. Um, and um, one of the things I like to do in, in my prayer life is I like to spend the first few moments at the beginning in a bit of silence. I like to just sort of calm my heart, take some deep breaths, 
And usually it takes me, if I'm honest with myself, about 15 minutes to get at peace. I'm like a cup of water that has dirt thrown in it and it's swirled around and there's my anxieties and cares and I'm like a cloudy glass of water and it usually takes me about 15 minutes. I have yet to be able to spend 15 minutes in silence alone in my, I don't know, 20 some years of praying. But when I'm with other people and I'm like, hey, let's take some 15 minutes of silence. It rushes by, no problem. I don't know. I don't know, when I'm alone, maybe my to-do lists rush into my head too quick. Maybe, maybe my anxieties just cause me to want to go be more productive. But when I'm with another person, I can sit 15 minutes with complete silence, no problem. I don't know how to explain that other than in my prayer life, I need other people to enter into it. Um, if you're in a home group um, in your, your meeting, my advice to you is find some time to spend some time in prayer together. Um, and I'm not talking, we've trained the leaders up. We're not talking about, you know, getting together and spending 20 minutes gossiping about something and then um, praying about your gossip list. I'm not talking about that. That's, the, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, find some time, and, and your leaders are, are trained up. Um, find some time and enter into prayer with one another, discerning what God wants to say to you. And um, don't worry about impressing other people. Um, yeah, and last thing here, as, um, as we get into the next couple weeks, I mean, I'm going to talk about praying with your kids next week. If, if you can't pray at church, if you can't pray um, in home groups, if that's too scary, start with your children if you have them, or the children of your life if, if you have access to kids. Um, kids have this innate connection with the Father that is mysterious, um, there's, there's lots of ways and how important it is to, to, to start praying with your kids if you don't. Uh, and then um, finally, sort of pray with your significant others of your life, if not your friends, uh, if you have a spouse. Now, I'll say this as, as I jump in. Um, prayer can be one of the most intimate things you do with another person. And I'll, I'll talk about this more. And I know this is why some people have a struggle, struggle with this which is why it's good to do in larger groups because it takes this sort of intimate thing away. Um, you know, when you're praying, you're laying open some of the vulnerable parts of yourself. And that's a hard thing to do when you're with other people. Uh, and so um, as we move forward, if, if, this, if you struggle with this, if you struggle praying with other people or in groups of people, I'm just gonna like give you permission and recognize um, that it's not easy. I'm not talking about this being easy. I'm talking about this being essential. If this is, you know, to, to open up the, the vulnerable parts of you to where you are railing against God together, um, it's a hard thing to do. But I'll give you some tips in the next couple weeks with your kids, with your spouses, with, with your friends in general. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll get more to the heavy stuff in, in weeks to come, but we're taking just a little bit of a break now from that to say, uh, friends, if you want to pray, start praying. If you feel like you can't pray, um, just get, you got to get it going somehow. Write a journal, um, you say your prayers at dinner time, at bedtime, whatever. Um, but if you want to get going, if you really want to get going, you're going to need help. So find some people in your life to pray with, some people you trust, some people you feel safe with. And if you feel safe, come out to Wednesday night. And if you don't want to pray, you don't pray out loud, you don't have to say words out, out loud. Um, 
but we need each other, and we need, uh, and we need one another to uh, keep each other on task, so to speak. Um, so as, as we finish off this week, I'm going to um, transition over to the table here, which is a great celebration of our f- being a family. Um, Jesus told us that every time we meet together, we should um, take some bread and break it into pieces, pour some wine, in this case, juice. Um, and as a family, as uh, people who are gathered together to pray and worship our Father, take some bread, dip it into the juice, and remember that Jesus created and opened a way for us to move out of our slaveries, out of our addictions, out of the things which capture us, and into the heart of God. And so um, if you're someone who's been freed from from, uh, anything into the into the family of God, we come and we remember and stay loyal to Jesus' victory. If you don't know God or you're not sure about God, it's an okay way to come and make it a prayer. God, I don't know you. I'm not sure that I like you, but I'd like to like you and I'd like to know you. And that can be one of the most beautiful prayers that you can pray. Uh, And Jesus, in, in his sacrifice, in his open arms, is welcoming everyone into this way of being. So friends, um, the table is set and everybody here is welcome.